We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Light Years. We got a special guest today, Jonathan Wasserman, lead draft analyst for Bleacher Report and uh, our go-to guy for all things related to the NBA draft. Now that the tournament's over, figured it'd be a perfect time to uh, catch up with you and kind of see where we're at. Um, so first things first, I-, I want you to make half our fan base cry by saying there's no chance Jalen Suggs lasts a four. <laughs> yeah, that is the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's no chance. I mean, I, th- I think it's it's pretty possible, you know, the way the lottery shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, the chances have probably dropped after the NCAA tournament. Okay. But, um, I mean, I know guys who like Jalen Green, you know, at number two. And clearly Evan Mobley has a top three case as well, and I'm assuming Cade goes one. So it's possible. I mean, I think there's some reluctance to say that Suggs has, like, that superstar potential. I mean, everybody loves, like – you know, his intangibles and, and how hard he plays. And he's just like a very likable kid. Right. Um, but I think that there are some questions about his one elite skill. Um, and so it's possible that he slips to number four. I guess we don't know if he can shoot, right? Well, well I mean, I say we as in me, because I've watched like <laughs> the tournament and maybe like one other game. And the shot is kind of odd. I mean, it looks nice, but for some reason it doesn't go in. Maybe it's like a Bradley Beal situation in college, but Beal shot well. So I can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, he came in, like, before the season started, shooting was going to be one of the big question marks with Suggs. Mm. And, um, you know, you play against Aga, and, like, you can kind of just pick and choose your spots of when to take a shot because everybody's so good, and you can really just take what the, what the defense gives up. And so he shot really well on pull-ups this year. I mean, he didn't take a lot of them, but he, he ranked in the 94th percentile in pull-up shooting percentage Ooh. synergy. Um, but he only shot 33% from three, and he – I think he only took like three and a half threes a game. So his track record as a shooter isn't, you know, totally convincing. 
but the eye test sees a, a kid who can make shots. And he had a couple games where he had one game against Iowa where he had seven threes. He had a game against BYU where he had four threes. I think he had six threes over his last three games in the NCAA tournament. So he's like, you know, he's streaky when he's confident he can make him. But, you know, we don't really have a, a proven track record of how good of a shooter he really is. On your uh, most recent big board, the one you put out after the, uh, the finals, the NCAA tournament, uh, you have him at number two. Uh, so you're saying that's still that's still pretty fluid between like two, three, four. Uh, is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I've had Suggs at two for a couple months now. And, you know, nothing happened in the NCAA tournament for me to like suddenly make a drastic change. And honestly, the difference between two, three and four um, is, is minimal. And depending on who's picking, who I'm picking for, my board may look different. Um, but I just feel so comfortable and confident with Suggs like he can't be bad like you can't take Suggs and screw up Uh, where I think Mobley has a little bit more I'm a little bit worried about Mobley's offensive upside and you know his skinny he's 210 pounds and seven feet tall and can he add weight and he had one of the worst rebounding percentages among centers who are projected to go top five sounds like James Wiseman little (laughs) things little things like that 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 make me question Mobley but again uh, you know I'm nitpicking here (laughs) <laughs> Jalen Jalen Suggs seems like and that Gonzaga offense looks a lot like Steve Kerr's offense too just the way that they make 18 passes against the athletic defense for no reason and then they get <laughs> blown out by Baylor who just just makes shots um I, I guess Jalen Suggs can't bust I guess he's the one guy well Cade right he's the those are the two guys that I think if you're on the Warriors that floor. they'd be great fit yeah I say the uh, only the, the only way like you know sometimes i I question Kate a little bit just as a number one overall pick. I mean, he's not going to be a bust like out of the league type of guy, mm. but his, the expectations, the bar is going to be so high for Cade. And we've all, including myself, I'm guilty of it. I've hyped him up so much that like, if he's not like an all NBA team player by his second year, people are going to get on him. And so that's the only reason we can use the term bust with Cade, but I don't no, He's not going to be a bad player. Like Ben Simmons is the is the comp that we sure. we've seen with it, but but Kate can actually shoot. Like I've only, again, I've only watched a few games, but he looks like he can. I mean, that's an incredible basketball player. Not quite as athletic though. Right, right. And so that's so the big fear with Caden is I'm doing more like research or whatever. Forty six percent inside the arc is the lowest of any number one pick, like in in the last ten years or something like that. And so of course some of that goes to the fact that the spacing wasn't great, and he had this monster workload where like every possession ran through him. But still, you know, it's 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 something to look at. Forty six percent on two pointers for the number one overall pick is a is a tad bit concerning. Yeah, um, let's pivot this to uh, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga. We haven't really had <laughs> you on uh, since the since the G League bubble ended. What uh, what were your takeaways after that? Yeah, so I mean, uh, Jalen Green, I think, helped himself, and, and Kuminga helped himself because nobody really knew what to expect, and you know, no, he didn't play for a year before this whole G league thing happened. And uh, before that he was injured and he sat out and he didn't participate in a lot of events. And so nobody really knew what to expect from him. And, you know, again, the eye test with Kaminga saw a six, eight, 220 pound guy who, uh, who can create his own shot. Uh, he can catch fire. Um, only end up shooting 24% from three and 63% from the free throw line. So I think it's pretty safe to say that he's not ready to start coming out uh, in the NBA firing threes consistently. But uh, I think in terms of upside, you know, you can make a case that he's got a lot of it. Um, but again, also, scouts continue to question his age. And I said this on your podcast last time. Right. No reason, no reason, no reason why, but, but scouts question his age. 
uh, and that would be a you know something to consider. Um, Jalen Green to me has really helped himself and improved his credibility with me and with other scouts. I know scouts again who have him at two overall. And I think the question with him was the same question I asked about Anthony Edwards is can an offense efficiently run if it's going through his particular shot selection, which is very pull up happy, you know, loves one on one. He loves to take tough shots, uh, but he can really make him and scored 30 points in that last game. Um, he was the G League Ignite's top score throughout the season. And he did it pretty efficiently, 46 percent and 37 percent from three. And, uh, you know, he's not just an athlete. He really improved his ability to create his own shot and his shot making hit two threes a game. And uh, his athleticism is really impossible to, to match, I think. Yeah, I was, I mean, I watched a handful of their G League games and it's, it's very hard to compare that to what we saw with Anthony Edwards in college with no shooting around. Like they're just two different styles of games. Yeah. But it seemed to me he's a little more advanced uh, developmentally with his jump shot than what we saw from Anthony Edwards last year. Is that fair to say, or is that just like a product of he's playing in a wide open, <laughs> you know, G League's a little more open, a little less uh, defense than let's say college basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think it's closer than the, maybe the numbers suggest for the reasons that you pointed out, but I feel a little more confident going into their rookie years with, with green shooting than I do with Edwards. Okay. So just to kind of wrap on these guys, it's really going to come down to kind of what team and what they want. I, it seems to me that green has the highest upside of the three of, of sorry, guys, two through five that we've discussed. So everyone below Cade, would you say that? Yeah. But yeah, maybe I like mean, the highest like range of outcomes too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could also, if you made a point that Mobley had the highest upside too, because of his ability to impact the game defensively, which none of the other guys can do. Uh, at the same level, although Suggs is a monster defensively. But like how like how much can a guard really impact the game defensively? I think Mobley has a chance to be a little bit more impactful with his rim protection and you know ability to to block jump shots and, and guard around the perimeter, but also offensively, if those flashes turn into like regular occurrences, like if he's hitting threes and he's bringing the ball up in transition and, and he's facing you up. I mean, one of the, the craziest stats with Mobley is he was in the 70th percentile as a spot-up player. And that was because of not just making jump shots, but he shot like 11 of 15 on pull-ups and like 12 of 19 on drives to the basket, which is just like, you don't, I look back at some previous centers to see what their, right. what their spots, and like none of them had any possessions, like attacking closeouts that, you know, as a seven footer in college and Mobley did it um, a lot and he was pretty efficient doing it. And so again, like his, if he gets a little tougher inside, I mean, he's, his offensive ceiling is crazy too. Is it safe to say he could potentially play the four in the NBA like Anthony Davis? Like, you, I'll use it this way. DeAndre Ayton and James Wiseman are hyper-athletic bigs, but no one in their right mind would ever play them at the four. Uh, could Mobley be a guy who actually has that versatility in a way that Anthony Davis does? I don't think he'd kill you if he played the four. Um, like, it could work in stretches. And like, you know, Minnesota – right now is projected to pick top three and um, if the, you know they'll keep their pick if it's that high and i gotta think um would they take mobley and try and play like towns and mobley at the four and um you know it's not ideal but but could you make a case that it could work i mean he would obviously need to become a better shooter um but he's got nice touch i mean if you just like look at him take jump shots he was very good in the mid-range and he made 11 threes and 
that's more than most centers make as, as one and done freshmen that are projected to go high. So it's possible, like it could work, uh, but obviously it's not ideal. But he's like, he's projected as a center. That's yeah. like what most, okay. Yeah. Cause like, they, like he's not, cause I, he is, he is so skinny. He, in some ways he looks like he has like a Kevin Durant frame to him and that sort of thing, which is why yeah. I'm like wondering, maybe he is just kind of a, you know, yeah, and that's the big fear with him. But he's not—he's not as like fluid with his with his ball skills as as Anthony Davis. Like I don't see an Anthony Davis type score. What a help the help Warriors fans out and me too. What's the difference between Evan Mobley and James Wiseman? <laughs> you got uh, how, how long? How much long? How much time do we have here? I know there's a big difference. <laughs> so. we, we can go as long as you're willing to go. <laughs> now, I mean, like you know, Wiseman is the more. I mean, I guess. Listen, you guys have seen more Wiseman this year than I have, particularly lately because I've been locked into the tournament. But Wiseman is more physically imposing, you know, around the basket. Um, and, and Mobley bigger. is, yeah, bigger, broader shoulders. Um, you know, he should be a much better rebounder and, and finisher. Uh, I guess his hands aren't as good as Mobley's, I would say. And Mobley is just away from the basket. He's just more believable. Like, the reason why Wiseman went so high in the draft is because everyone saw bought into the highlights and he's got some amazing highlights of him, like doing some crazy things facing up in the open floor, but like that rarely happened. Um, it happens a lot more with, with Mobley and the flashes are just more believable in terms of, you know, can they translate? Got it. Um, actually Anthony Eric, Andy literally took that was going to be my question to kind of compare him to James Wiseman. So would you say, so he has better hands, he has better overall touch. There's more belief that he can be a credible three-point threat over time than James Wiseman. I mean, I think Wiseman can hit threes, but I I would be surprised if he, you know, turns into a 40% on volume three-point Like I don't, and you guys can tell me, like how many times has Wiseman caught the ball around the arc and, and put it on the floor and made a move? Has that happened much? It's been yeah, a, trans- it's a turnover. It's yeah. been in, it's been effective in transition only, really. Right. Yeah, like if he's if he's running in transition, he gets it, and he he sees I, something that looks Giannis esque in transition. But in the half I, court, not so much. I think mm-hmm. part of that, I think, and and this is why I want to bring it back to Jalen Green. Actually, um, I think part of that, Jonathan, is that is that it's kind of how James Wiseman is being used, right? Like he doesn't even make those plays in transition anymore. That was like the first month of the season and he doesn't shoot threes anymore. That was the first month of the season because I don't think he's allowed to, right? He's doing back to the basket stuff, which I mean, you tell me if that's his strength or not. Uh, we don't think so, uh, but he's doing back to the basket stuff and, and uh, he doesn't really have a great feel for the game. So this, so Jalen green is the question that I have. Like he seems athletic. He seems like he can score. He seems like he's got a wide range of outcomes. Is the Warriors a good landing spot for him, though, if the Warriors do end up with Jalen Green at four or five? Because I don't know if it is. I, I'd almost rather get the safe option, and I think they would too, because I don't know if they're the right team to kind of let Jalen Green flourish, allow him to flourish. Yeah, I mean, he probably – Golden State wouldn't be the ideal team. I mean, and and with all these prospects, usually Golden State's high in the list of, like, you, yeah. of favorable destinations to land sure. uh, because you got talent around you and – you know, an established roster there. Um, but Fairly at the same market. time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but green is also like, I can't picture him going to a team and not getting constant touches. I mean, he's so used to being the number one guy and he was the number one guy in the ignite team. And like, if he had to be a spot up player for, for a while, like, I don't know how that would affect his rhythm and his confidence. And he's a guy who like 
you know, he catches fire and he starts, you know, pumping in shots and, and um, it would kind of disrupt his rhythm if he went to a team where he got the ball once every, you know, six possessions. In other words, you don't really want to put him in a box. You want to, you kind of want to let him go and, and develop him that way. If all things are equal. Yeah. I mean, like all these prospects, you want to have a good balance between not having too heavy of a workload, but not going, you know, not, not standing around the arc waiting right. for your chance. Like, you know, I'm in New York and I'm watching Obi Toppin just stand around the arc and it's painful <laughs> to watch because that was never his game. And like, how can he build any confidence if it's like, well, I hope I get the ball, you know, this quarter, you know, it's kind of, like there's, there's no, yeah. there's no rhythm to build it. How do you build confidence that way? And green for a guy, it would just be such a major adjustment going to a team like that. And maybe it'll work long-term like it did with Jason Tatum. Um, but, but yeah, ideally he, he goes to a team where he gets a little more on ball use. Anyone outside of that top five group play themselves into conversation to be there. I can't see the top five changing. I mean, is that what you're asking? Yeah. I'm asking the tournament's over. Has anyone Keon Johnson, Scotty Barnes? I mean, we can, we can run down the names, you know, you know, them all. Any of these guys have a shot at getting into the top five. Like a, I can't, a I can't, one? I can't see it just because nobody is really, there's, there's clearly a gap between five and six. Um, and we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are those going to be the five best guys from this draft? Like in a couple of years, like, history says no, but predict, but saying right now, who's going to be the guy who surprises everybody. It's hard to have any confidence in, in Keon Johnson, who's you know 19 years old and really didn't show any creation or shooting this year, you know, suddenly blowing up and maybe he could, but to bet on that would be pretty crazy. So I think the top five is pretty set. And then at number six, it's just like a whole sloppy group of guys where, I think you're doing a lot of guessing. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears. 
and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. I guess the Warriors are going to have a top 14 pick, which is probably where we should, should transition this. And I'm looking at some of the names and some of the guys that are watching the tournament. Um, it, it feels like Corey Kispert in 19 could be like the seventh pick. Is that, is that fair? So, so really any of these guys could be a Warrior. Yeah, I mean, there's to say that there's like a... It's, yeah. it's, the guy, you know, Kisper could go 70, he could go 14. You could say that about every one of these guys in that same tier. Um, so, you know, who they're looking at, again, we're, we're guessing this early. So would you, would you say there's not a lot of value then in – or there's not a difference in value between having, like, the 10th pick and the 14th pick in this year? Oh. It, it, it seems like that whole range, like 8 to 12, it's like the same caliber of player and it's down to if you know how to scout. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a right, if you have a pick, I think once you get to number six, like you're like, shit, I might as well just trade down. Got it. Okay, so right now the Warriors are locked in at number thirteen. It's going to be somewhere between eleven and fifteen, where that pick conveys. Thirteen's probably where it's going to convey. Um, who among these? Player, we got this question. I like this question. Besides Scotty Barnes, yeah. Assuming Warriors land their own pick in the ten to fifteen range, who is the Tyrese Halliburton type of guy this year who will be available in that range and can actually contribute immediately? Um. All right. Let's see. Let's go down the list here. I mean, like uh, everyone's going to say Davion Mitchell after the tournament, right? After they watched what we watched. Yeah. Yeah, And and. He's probably going to go that high. He, he may not even be there at 13, honestly. Right. And, you know, history says that that's, that's not going to be a, a great pick if you take him top 10, just based on the – he's going to be 20, a 23-year-old rookie. Cool. And I don't think the there Warriors are – love that. No. <laughs> there are no All-Stars who have been drafted at uh, his age that have made it All-Star teams, at least not in the last wow. decade. Um, so, you know, is he a bad pick? No. I think he's got, like, a high floor, and you kind of – with Mitchell, I, you know, I'm, in my mind, I'm kind of picturing like maybe a little better offensive-minded Marcus Smart type of player where he's going to make his money with defense and energy, and he's probably a little bit sharper in terms of playmaking and shot-making. Which, which, by the way, would be an amazing return at, at 13. You know, you, you look at usually like you, you don't find players of that caliber outside sure. of the top 10 usually. Right. I think people kind of saw Mitchell in, in, the, in the tournament, and they saw like the explosiveness and the shot-making and – and kind of starting to picture like Donovan you know, Mitchell, a, 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 right? A Donovan Mitchell, and and I think that's just not, that's not really accurate, uh, and particularly just given his, he wasn't like that great until this year, until he turned twenty two and a half, and he yeah. still shot sixty five percent from the free throw line. So I'm a little bit skeptical. Oh, perfect, of, of perfect, <laughs> perfect. Like you, you can bank on him being a a tough ass defender who's who's going to play hard. Um, and so that's something you could see translating. But in terms of like him being a star point guard, I, I'm not buying it. But you asked no. about who's Halliburton. Like, um, I don't okay. know. Tyrese Halliburton clearly is the the player who, um, right? Who outside of like Lamella balls, you know, hit the ground running. Clearly, a player should have gone higher. Probably, uh, who's going to be the player in that range who's most likely to contribute immediately? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like Franz, Vag- Franz Wagner from, from Michigan, who had okay. that awful, that brutal game uh, to close. At, uh, Against UCLA, yeah. Yeah, that was probably that was the bad. worst game of his career. And his career is long. It's not just two years at Michigan. It's like he played years overseas, too. He's got unbelievable experience. for, for a, He's still 19 years old, and he's finishing his sophomore year. Uh, and he's a guy who I think the Warriors should target. Um, six, I'm hearing he's over 6'9 now, and he does a little bit of everything. And a very, very good defender at six foot nine and just an easy fit and, and one of those really high floor guys uh, and very competitive. I, I like Wagner a lot. That, that makes okay. so much sense. Does he pass? Does he pass out of the pinch post? Does he, uh, <laughs> does he set good screens? Does he? Uh... I mean, he's, he would, the numbers don't jump out at you, but he was a very good pick and roll passer. Um, he, he, he only shot 34% from three, but 83% from the line of back-to-back years. And that, had a lot of games. I think he had 12 games where he made multiple threes. And again, 19 years old with his shooting stroke, you expect that he'll be a good enough three-point shooter. And between the shooting, the, the secondary playmaking, an animal defensively, number three in the country in defensive box plus minus this year at 19, uh, it's like impossible for him to not be a serviceable, good rotation player. Yeah. A couple, couple of questions here. Um, on Zaire Williams, obviously he went to Stanford. You yeah. had him, um, was it 15, 15 or Yeah, 15. number 15. So he's right in play for that Warriors pick. What I saw from him this year was a player who's a few years away. Um, your thoughts on Zaire Williams? So Williams you know, came out of Sierra Canyon. Everybody knew him. He um, just looking at him, he's like 6'9 and has a beautiful shooting stroke. Forget what the numbers say. And no scouts even really paying attention to the numbers because he didn't play too many games. Right. And, you know, you think about 20 games at 18, 19 years old, like 10 years from now, who cares? It's really it's kind of meaningless. He has a very good-looking stroke, and he is a, a, a very good um, – he's good with the ball in his hands. Uh, he may not have explosiveness to get to the rim, but, you know, he had a triple-double this season. And I think he's going to be a guy who at six, eight can run pick and rolls, pass out of pick and rolls. He's very good creating his own shot around the perimeter. The big thing with him is he can't really get to the basket that much. He lacks explosiveness. He struggles with contact, but I think you can easily project him as a shooter who defends both the three and four and can make good decisions, handling the ball um, in ball screen situations. And I think to get him in the mid first round would be good value. And I think he's like, a very good buy low pick based on the season that he had in um in this 10 to 20 range you have a lot of ball handlers combo guards I, i'm not really sure if jaden springs point guard or uh same with davion mitchell all down the list um the warriors definitely need a backup point guard maybe a third guard, someone who can play with and without staff which of these guys would you like best for them if it worked out for them. Um, I mean, Jack, the guy that you just described is Jared Butler, who you watched in the NCAA okay. tournament. Um, he, uh, all year, I mean, he played with David and Mitchell, so he's got experience playing on and off the ball. Both those guys average five assists per game. Does he defend? He's much improved defensively. And, mm. you know, I, he, is he going to be like a plus defender, an asset to your defense? I don't know, but I don't think he's going to be a liability out there. Had a monster steal, over 3% steal rate this year, I think, Ooh. which is a good sign. Um, and, and he definitely improved on defense, like in just terms of making reads and, and anticipating, but one of the best shooters in the draft. And I think there we go. <laughs> very good shooter on and off the ball, a great pull-up shooter, a great spot-up shooter. 
Um, and I think the big question with him is athleticism and how much is it, will it affect his ability to separate uh, inside the arc and, and blow by guys. But he's a, like an A-plus ball handler um, who averages over five assists, was a very versatile shooter, an improved defender. He's a junior who just won the national championship, was the best player on the best team in the country. And everybody raves about his character, a very mature kid. Another guy who is just like an easy fit, uh, a total pro, just may not have that like exciting upside to him. That's a, that, it sounds like either of the Baylor guards would be an ideal outcome for the Warriors at like that 12, 13, 14 pick. Yeah, I, I think they're both easy fits, for, particularly for a team who's looking to compete. Slot him right next to Jordan Poole because we know he doesn't doesn't play defense, nor does, does Steve want to play <laughs> he him tries. At, at the one. So oh, that may, that makes sense. I, I, I think that that's really like those are the ones that make sense, Jonathan, right, for the Warriors, where they can't – I don't know if that Ira Williams. He seems like a project. They just can't take a project. I, like whether that be the right move or not, they just can't. And if they take a project, I'm not sure they're confident or we're confident that they could turn that project into a star player, which it seems like Zaire has that potential. Right. But I like, guess that, w- that would be the argument, that they, yeah. if they don't have the minutes to, to let him develop. That's true. At the same time, you know, how many guys are going to, how many rookies are going to come in and move the needle for Golden State next year? Like at 13, like not many, unless you get really lucky. Yeah, that's my thing is like, I'd rather just older guys who like maybe could come in and be an eighth man off the bench. That's it. Like Kispert, like just throw them out there and just have them shoot threes. Like that's the name I keep coming back to. Like maybe he doesn't play defense. Maybe he can't get a shot off because he's not that, whatever, right? Whatever his, his weaknesses are. But like, they need some guys who can shoot the ball and maybe he can just come in and just, just, I mean, even Jordan Poole, like he can shoot, but not really like Kisper seems to me like he's 38, 40% right off the bat. And for the rest yeah. of his career, which is like, they need yeah. that. And if you're willing to lower the bar in terms of upside and just settle on, on, on that, on the specialist, which is what you need to plug a hole, then yeah, Kispert's a nice option. Or Duarte. That Oregon kid had some wiggle. I, I watched him, but like, in a, but then that's another guy you'd have to have him just have the ball all the time. I mean, just off 20, the three games that I watched. Duarte is twenty four years old. He's, I mean, he's really. Perfect. I did not realize he was that old. Does he wear a suit and tie? <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, so he's like, God, he's yeah. twenty four. That's crazy. Yeah, or he'll be twenty four before the draft. I forget exactly what month, but yeah, he's a guy who, who played himself uh, into the first round this year. Former JUCO Player of the Year. Couple Kuminga questions here. I, I forgot to ask this to you earlier from uh, Nate Mosby. Um, he's asking how much of a project is he considering the shooting numbers that we saw in the bubble? So he clearly saw that. He's going to be like, it, depending on what team he goes to, like if he goes to a bad team, he's going to be productive, but he's going to shoot below 40% from the field. So it really kind of depends. And then if he goes to a good team, you know, he's, he's always been a guy and the big knock on Kuminga is like, he's a catch and hold guy where four guys stand around and watch him while he decides what move he wants to make. And he's not really, you know, he doesn't have that cliche makes teammates better on a scouting report. Um, so it really depends what situation is he go, he goes to. Yes. He can be productive as a rookie, but is he going to be like an effective, efficient player to help your team win? Probably not. The one thing that stood out to me in the bubble, which, and I'll be honest, I hadn't seen much of him just like everyone else. Uh, better passer. Then I thought, did did you did you get that too, or did you think that was more just kind of like he was looking to put it on film that he could do stuff? So it's 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 you know you, when you're evaluating guys like yeah he made some highlight real passes. I, right. I, I probably know exactly which passes you're thinking. I probably yeah know exactly which passes you're thinking of. And some of them were like really nice, and you're like oh wow he could be a secondary playmaker, and then he'd go like three games without an assist. 
So can he make the can he make the good passes? Yeah, he can. But uh, you know, is his head always going to be looking to make them? You know, probably not. Sure. Okay. Um, last, I got one last guy, and then we'll get out of here. Appreciate your time as always, Jonathan. Yeah. Moses Moody. You have him slotted at twelve. Feel like the tournament kind of knocked him out of the top, being in that like six, seven, eight range. I mean, you never know. Next thing we could get a nice video of him hitting eighty open threes in a gym or something. But uh, uh, what what do you think about him as a potential fit uh, for the Warriors and kind of what he is as a player? Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the Devin Vassell of, of last year's draft. He's like the the typical three and D guy and he's a easy fit anywhere. I think as long as you're willing to kind of like Kispert, accept the fact that he may not have that superstar upside, then he's a good pick really anywhere in that six to 12 range. And now a stock shouldn't have dropped based on two bad games, the NCAA tournament. He entered, he came into the tournament with 28 points in three or four games. He was consistent all year. He had 16 points with really no isolation or pick and roll possessions all season, totally within the flow of the offense, Everything was spot ups or transition or offensive rebounds. Just got himself buckets without needing dribbles. He's an easy fit. He's six six, uh, over two threes a game. Good free throw shooter. Good pull up shooter. Just not very creative with the ball. But again, like I said before, if you can accept the fact that he's not going to go out there and you know be an end of clock guy uh, and somebody who will just spread the floor and play within the offense and make shots and defend his position, then he's a good pick anywhere in the lottery. Second half of Nice. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, we appreciate your time. You got anything you want to plug? Um, no. Same <laughs> as always. Warriors fans know where to go because uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this every year until we're <laughs> until Steph retires. We go right back to the lottery, baby. <laughs>